Welcome and good morning to Survivor Social, the Survivor podcast where we dissect Survivor with a focus on the social elements of the game. My name is David, and as always, I am joined this lovely morning by Tegwith. Good morning, Tegwith. How are you? Good morning. I'm great. Uh, I'm so excited to talk about Survivor with you this morning on this lovely day, um, and I'm ready to get into it. Heck yeah. I think the first order of business is addressing the obvious. We have lost our love, yeah. Bruce. How are you feeling? How are you holding up? Oh, man. I was I was actually pretty upset, um, mainly because, like, he I, – I really thought we had one more week. I thought he was going to just, like, play the idol, and um, and I really, like, I thought that I, – I felt like he was going next week. Um, but you know, it was a really great move. So when I'm sad that somebody goes, I, I do feel better when it was a good move. Um, like that's how I felt with Kelly. Like I was so shocked when Kelly left. Um, and I love Kelly so much, but you know, it was a good move. So it kind of like makes me feel slightly better. How are you feeling about it? Yeah, I'm with you on this one. I think as long as it was an entertaining, flashy, strategic maneuver, which it was in this case, it makes me feel better. But it does remind me that this is the second time that someone's gone home with an idol in their pocket. Sabaya and and yeah. now and now Bruce. Wow, yeah. like wild. Some, something tells me Austin is not going to let that happen to him. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, always play your idol. I I was talking to somebody and I just was like kind of shocked. They were I, no, I wasn't actually. I saw a post from Bryson Wen on um, Instagram and the post was like, "What is your Survivor 45 hot take or something? Or like, what's the thing that you'll defend?" And I was saying how mine is the fact that Bruce didn't play his idol when they were split up into two groups. The merge. Mm. Sifu went home because I just I'm I'm in the, I'm in the group of like. Play your idol wrong. Like at least you played your idol. That's right. how I. That's how I would probably play. Um, which maybe isn't the best TV, but you know, I, I you just don't never can you can never trust anybody on Survivor. And they, when people are like, oh yeah, that was a good read. Yeah, that was a good read. But also, you're really gambling that you can read people um, when you got an idol and you maybe you know we're talking about going home. So you know, oh gosh, sad, sad that Bruce is gone. Very sad, but I agree. I think that. Playing an advantage while you have it, even if it's not the best read, you tried something. And it's mm -hmm. better to try something than think about what if, if you went home with that idol in your pocket. But you know what? Either way, I, I love Bruce and we still get to talk about it in this episode. So yep. let's get into that. And before we start, make sure to subscribe to Survivor Now on Instagram and Spotify, YouTube, all of the above. And if you have any questions that you want to be heard or answered here, please send them our way at uh, Survivor Socialites on Instagram or Survivor Social Pod at gmail.com and we will answer them right here. Speaking of which, we have a few questions that were sent in by some lovely listeners. And the first comes from Anna. Anna says, just listen to the episode where you said that you'll never sh uh, sh sell, I don't know, share, sell, I'm not going to do either of those, uh, your Jabiru buff. That's how I feel about my Villains Tribe buff from Heroes vs. Villains. And I got it at a yard sale for $5. And even though I know it could go for like $600, I'm never selling it. First of all, Anna, send us a picture. Yep. Send us a picture of you stunting on everyone with your $5 Heroes vs. Villains Villains buff. Like, what? That's, That's insane. And yeah you know when you have those special pieces of survivor memorabilia that mean something to you you just can't 
can't get rid of them. And I really respect that. And recently, I purchased a buff, the Soliantu buff from Survivor Marquesas. From look how pink and bright this this looks. We need to get another so beautiful. Right? We need to get another buff of this color. Yes. Um, I, I reach recently purchased this from Vintage Survivor Store. So shout out to them. And the best part was they threw in a pack of trading cards. I didn't even know they had Survivor trading cards. And I thought I was I, a legit fan. That's so cool. Like, like, are they like like old? Like Th- yeah, this was for this buff, which came out in 2002 with right. Marquesas. This came out in either 2001 or 2002, I believe. So that is so cool. I know, I know. Vintage Survivor Store. Check it out. I'm actually gonna open it right now if I can, because I'm so curious. You gotta see what you got. Tag with entertain the folks while I struggle to open this. That's so funny. I also just want to say, Anna, the vintage buffs that my boyfriend and I share, we only have three. And it's um because Ryan bought them back in uh, you know, back when he was watching Heroes versus Villains, and it, we have all three Heroes versus Villains uh buffs, and there's no better feeling than going to a Survivor live event wearing like some vintage cool buff, and people are like, I mean, go to a Survivor Live event where even wearing the buff of that season or the season before, people love it. But go wearing a vintage buff, people go nuts. It's so cool. I typically will wear the villains. Oh no, I'll typically wear the merge buff and Ryan will typically wear like either the villains or the heroes. Heroes doesn't get worn that often, but um, but it's like one of my favorite things. So welcome to the welcome to the vintage buff world. That is amazing. And um, I am back with these with these cards. I have to say I did some things that I'm not proud of to be able to open this in. I will not get into the details of what happened off screen, but we've got some really cool cards. Um we've got a card that says mosquito bites your opponent is minus one to swimming didn't know that those two things were um those so two it's things like a were, game yeah it's like an actual card game fishing pole and it's got oh my god it's literally got sean with like the 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 pole 2000 or whatever he calls it on in borneo wow sand fleas we got a nice picture of colleen picking her legs <laughs> flounder Probably caught by Richard Hatch. Tiki <laughs> torch. Richard Hatch holding his torch. Iconic. That is so cool. Eliminate eliminate the competition. <laughs> it's a picture, picture of Richard Hatch naked and it's blurred out. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. I, I'll, I'll post some better pictures on the, on the podcast uh, Instagram. Mango, shelter, shift, and power. All right. So we didn't get any actual people because I think this was a booster pack. But I'm just really got, glad we got to see some insanity from Borneo. And That's so cool. <laughs> thank you again, Vintage Survivor Store. And uh, as as we continue on with our questions, I will I will not be able to uh, stop thinking about the blurred picture of Richard Hatch. <laughs> so who's our next question from? Uh, Maya uh, reached out to us on Instagram asking, quote, when is Jeff going to stop trying to make the dumb... Uh, many expletive sanctuary slogan a thing. <laughs> the like the sanctuary where good things happen. Yeah. Uh, he's gonna if there's one thing about Jeff, he's gonna try to make a slogan. He's gonna make a phrase. He's gonna do it. Sorry for you is the bane of my existence. I don't <laughs> like sorry for you because I think it's 
like so clunky and like if he just said like sorry for you like that would be better but sorry for you i don't know it just makes it seem like somebody's reading in class and they didn't realize what was coming up next and so they say sorry for you like it's just like i don't know i don't like it but i will say i don't hate the sanctuary or good things happen as much as i hate sorry for you <laughs> I, the thing i don't like about it is it's where like okay things happen sometimes like, it's not yeah. always good. Like, it's just like the weird rotisserie, rotisserie chicken that you had to like dig into with your hands. Like, that's not, I mean, yeah, you get food, but like, that's mediocre at best. Yeah, we can, we can get to my qualms with the sanctuary once we dig into the episode a little bit more. Um, but I did not expect um, family trauma to be on the menu, but apparently that's, that's something they were serving at the, at the sanctuary. Yeah, that's bad. Yeah, could could have gone without that. But to sum up my 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 thoughts on Jeff's uh, verbiage, I say the same two hundred words over and over and over and over and over. <laughs> wrong, Jeff. You're not wrong. Not wrong. Not wrong. Our next question comes to us from John, and he asks on Instagram: Imagining you were in the game and on the jury, having not seen the television product, are there any seasons where you wouldn't have voted for the person who won the season? For example, a lot of people say they wouldn't have voted for Gabler, but I think they would have. Yeah, great question, John. Um, I think it's really hard to answer that question um, because we have seen the television product. We have seen what the editors want us to see. We have seen what Jeff wants us to see. Um, we have seen a pared down version and we don't have our own experiences to come back, like, like beef it up. Um, for example, I met Gabler in person. And the moment I stopped talking to him, I walked away and I went, I get it. I get it. He's very vivacious. He's very, he makes you feel like you're the only person that he wants to talk to in that moment. Uh, and at a Survivor Live event, that's really hard to do because there's a lot going on. And he had just won his season. So this was after a season. Um, and so you, it's really hard, I think, to retroactively go back and think to myself, like, how would I have voted in this situation? Because it's, there's so many things that aren't factors that are not involved. Um, and it's also the fact that, like, you're going on national television and a lot of people don't want to vote wrong. Like, and I, and I don't, and I, that's just like my, I, I don't know if that that's true or if that's just my, like, how I'm uh, seeing this. But in, like, Winners at War, for example, I really believe the fact that Michelle got zero votes um, is because people just didn't want Natalie to win. And so they thought that the group was going to vote Tony so that they voted Tony. And I'm not saying that Tony wasn't a good winner. It's just one of those things where, you know, there's so much, like, it's a really, it's a really interesting question to think about, but I think it's also really hard to answer uh, 100% truthfully because we are, you know, are pre have these preconceptions based on what the editors and Jeff wanted to show us, you know? Yeah, no, absolutely. And I would like to say that I would vote for Susie on Gabon and make sure that she won over Bob. But like you said, I haven't met these people, have no idea how they're going to make me feel. I know that I'd be a very emotional juror. I know that I would appreciate g gameplay and strategy, but at the end of the day, it's night. And at the end of the day, I would also care about the fact that I want to be made to feel good by someone who I'm going to give a million dollars to. So, yeah, I think it's a very tricky question, but I very much appreciate it, John. 
I do too. I, I like it. I like talking about it. And thank you, Jonathan. I, I, I probably even more at this point. Yeah. He's, you have such a good buff collection. Like it's so it's like, I feel like every week he's like, I got this deal on this buff. And I'm like, how <laughs> do you do it? I can't reveal my secrets. Oh, no, you can't. But I can reveal what happened in this episode. So when we get back from Tribal, last Tribal, Jake is feeling more secure because he thinks, you know, he's going to have more footing in the game. He'll be able to play more actively. Little does he know, no one will still take him seriously. But he is happy that he doesn't think he'll have to be the backup safety vote. Personally, I don't know why he would think this. I know some people are probably talking to him and maybe he's getting breadcrumbs instead of nothing. Mm-hmm. but I wouldn't feel like I was in a good position if I were Jake. But I mean, good for the morale boost, I guess. Yeah. Agreed. I, yeah, I feel like Jake is in such like an interesting position because he has been the backup boat so many times. I think that any crumb anyone will give him is like kind of a new, a new day for him almost. So <laughs> I, I, I do kind of see why Jake would think that, but I also like when I, when I, when I heard that, I was like, I don't, like, don't trust these people, Jake. Yeah. And we do see that he has sort of a crisis of faith in terms of his his own understanding of the game and how people are treating him. And I really loved this episode because of the social aspects that were put on display. Specifically, and we'll get into this, the next day we see Mama J having a really hard time with, like, the ethics of this game. And I really, really loved seeing this because I did feel like some of this cast, you know, very strategy heavy, sort of game body at certain points. Um, but we see this vulnerability in these contestants break open this episode more than ever. I mean, we've seen a huge transformation in Emily, which has been beautiful. And I know that's a big reason why people are endeared to her and are rooting for her. But add Julie to that list now. Add Drew to that list now. The moment that they share where Julie expresses, it's really hard. And I love all of these people. And it's going to get really messy in the future. And I don't know what I'm going to do. What did you make of that entire moment as Julie and Drew are sitting on the beach? I love that moment. I thought it was um, really beautiful. I also, as somebody secure on my couch watching this, thought, don't give anybody permission to vote you out. There was a moment where somebody said, like, you know, we'll be okay no matter what, right? And to me, the undertones are like, if I heard somebody say, we will be okay no matter what, that makes me think that something bad is about to happen to me and they need the okay to go ahead and do that. Mm. Um, I'm not saying that that was necessarily the case. I don't think it was like the, the we, us too. I think they really meant like everybody on the season will be okay no matter what. Um, But like... at this very beautiful moment I was watching the the person on my like I was sitting there very secure not having to like deal with these all these stuff I thought to myself please don't give anybody permission to vote me out I'm gonna be like no no we're not gonna be okay I'm gonna I'm gonna be mad I'll be very mad and I'm never gonna like you guys again not be a lie but I don't I want people to feel bad when they're voting me out I don't want them to feel like all oh, happy-go-lucky she'll be okay kind of a thing um, which is maybe maybe a little rude, but uh, also it's a game for a million dollars. But I, but like the actual substance of that, I thought was really nice and really really beautiful. And I also really like 
again, how the editors this season are giving us things like that. I feel like in past seasons, they wouldn't have given us like a human moment specifically with Drew. Mm -hmm. I feel like we would have gotten that moment from, from Julie, no matter what, but Drew had been getting this like, um, kind of like, I'm so smart. I'm smarter than everybody. I, I know this game backwards and forwards kind of edit. And I don't feel like in the past, they would have showed this kind of thing where it was like difficult. Do you True. know what I mean? Yeah, I agree. I think that Drew opened up. I think he was already like this, but I think that to the viewers, based on his edit, he opened up a lot and I was won over even more. Um, and I'm glad because I want to like everybody on this cast. That's not true. I want to, I want to have some people to root against, but um, I have really begun to feel myself rooting for Drew and I think Drew was the one who said, yeah, we're all going to be okay, though. And the way that I took it was after the game, like after the dust has settled, like we can still be friends, which but you're right, though. You don't want to ever give someone permission, even even in a subtle way, even in an indirect way that you are okay with being eliminated. And I fear that some things that Mama J has said and done this episode has allowed people to realize she's a bigger threat. Mm -hmm. And maybe we should take her out because it seems like people, you know, once you get that ball rolling and people start to throw your name out, it gets easier and easier every time, right? So I'm a little concerned for Mama J going forward, but I still really appreciated the humanity that was that was displayed in this scene. Yeah. And then we get Emily not knowing if she'll be able to crack the re before, which as an audience, we're like, you're probably not going to. Yeah. These people are crying with each other. And being like, yeah. I'm your best friend forever. Yeah. So, I don't know. I think that Emily's got an uphill battle. But what's the alternative? You work with everybody in Old Bellow who just can't get their crap together to save their lives? Like, she's not in a great position either way. Yeah, I, I feel like there's not much to work with when, you know, and, and, and I think this was probably good for Couture's game, but like, it's not a good, not a good sign when somebody is, you know, telling secrets and then somebody else is going to the other side and telling those secrets. Oh yeah. And Let's I'm, break that I, down for the listener. What yeah, happened? It's just like, you know, great bit between Bruce and Katora, not going to lie. I thought that was so funny where he was like, how was my acting? Like that was so funny. He said that he had given his idol to Kelly and Kelly left with it which I think is a funny lie because that was the lie that Kelly, I don't know if you heard this or saw this, but Kelly was going to try to figure out a way to use knowledge's power against Bruce to get his idol. And the fact that Bruce thought to himself as well to bring Kelly in with the knowledge's power to pretend that he didn't have an idol, I thought was a very funny moment. Um, mm -hmm. But it's, so that moment happened and Couture was playing along, Couture was playing along and then cut to the reward challenge. I, the reward, right? It was at the reward where yeah. Couture goes, so he's going to lie to you guys and say that he doesn't have his idol. Um, and that that's never a good sign when you're like, I, there's a lot of talk on the internet. Sorry to be so disjointed, but there's a lot of talk on the internet or whether or not this was a good move for Emily, whether or not Emily benefited from getting rid of Bruce or if it would have been better for her to use the numbers to go for a Reba. And, but like for specifically Emily's game. And the thing that a move isn't good unless it actually happens. And I really don't see a world in which she would be able to band 
Katura, Bruce, and Jake and get them on the same page because they had been backstabbing and going against each other this whole time. The only people that voted against Jake were old bellows mm-hmm. in that vote uh, to get uh, Kelly out. So Emily would have had an uphill battle to bring these people together. And so maybe it wasn't the best move for her. Maybe it would have been better to get out of uh, Ariba. But when you can't get three people to work together, you can't get three people to see the eye to eye, you know, then trying to make a move is not as good as actually making a move. So right. um, everything, that was a whole very interesting segment. Uh, how did you feel about Katora telling about Bruce's idol? They're never going to really work together. Let's be honest. They're never going to really work together. They have that scene where they're walking on the beach at first and they're saying, this is so great. Like we can make this work, whatever. And I'm like, I don't buy this. And then we also have the delicious moment where Bruce, yeah, yeah. Tries to tell Katura what the lie is going to be. And then he says like, do you think this is going to work? This is going to be great. And Katura's like, no, Bruce. I do not think this is going to work. And and it's not really shown on camera, like, I I think his face as she's saying it, but I just love that she can be so honest with him. And if you're that candid with someone and you're willing to shoot them down, it means one of two things. One, you're super duper duper close with them and they're a great ally. You can just be completely transparent with them and let your guard down. Not the case. The more likely scenario is that she just doesn't care anymore. Mm Mm-hmm. And I don't think she's really cared for a hot minute now. And I think the fact that she's willing to share this information is her desperately trying to make inroads with other people because she knows that she's on a sinking ship with Bruce. It's not worth it. Why invest more? And also for personal reasons, she wants to take him down. So I I can't really blame her too much. I'm going to be honest. I think that people are sometimes too critical and, and fans can be a little, myself included at times, uh short-sighted and saying like well this isn't this doesn't have immediate payoff and this isn't going to help her right now it's like okay well what about the long term what about that who knows but we also have a question from jonathan asking what do we think emily's current path to the end is personally i think the best case scenario for emily is that the rebas take her along then they then decide that maybe d and or Mama J are too big of threats and they vote one of them out. And then maybe Emily wins in fire and she can somehow make it to the end. I think that's kind of her only path right now. Yeah. I think, uh, I think Emily, I think she can make it to the end. I think um, there gets to a certain point where a a group of four realizes at some point they're going to have to whittle down a little bit to be less than four. Um, And I feel like the only way, and especially when the group of four is, broken up as two and two and not three and one. Um, I feel like at some point they're going to turn to their one other person and be like, we're going to have to figure out a way to get rid of them because the only thing essentially standing between us and the final three or one of us in the final three is the fact that we would need one of us to win an immunity. And I don't know that I would trust, like if I'm D, I don't think I'm taking Julie with me. Because I, I have a big thing where I don't want to dis- I want to be, be able to make sure that I can really like very well distinguish my game from the person sitting next to me at Final Trouble Council. And if I've been working so closely with somebody for the entire time, I, I feel like it's sometimes harder to do that argument. Um, and so I feel like there's I feel like there will be a point. Maybe it'll be in the finale episode where the Reba four will look at each other and be like, we got to 
this is this can't happen. Uh, and Emily's not really a challenge threat. I will say she won one challenge. She's won one, more challenges than a lot of other people, but it was a reward challenge. Um, and, you know, she's proven not to do very well on the endurance challenges. Um, and so I think if you're thinking about who you, can you be in a final four immunity, or I'm sorry, yeah, final four immunity, you know, Emily probably, especially if it's going to be an endurance one, Emily probably will be, you know, able, be able to be beaten. You know what I mean? So, yeah. um, I don't know. I hope she makes it. I love her so much. I hope so too. I've, I've grown really fond of Emily Flippin, financial analyst, as we all have, but I guess we'll just see how everything shakes out. And we get to that reward challenge and, you know, Jeff tells them about the sanctuary, the slogan, yada, yada. <laughs> I like the fact that they get to stay over at the sanctuary because yeah. let's, yeah, let's really break down our critiques of the sanctuary. Personally, great that they get to stay over. Awesome that they have pillows and blankets, but it just keeps like feeling like this place that they just go and eat, like some weird cafeteria. And sometimes the menu will change. Sometimes they'll just add in, yeah, life and family trauma into the mix. But I'm bored with the sanctuary. I will always compare this to the heights of what the rewards used to be. And I think back, even a more simple reward, Survivor Vanuatu, they have the the cafe where they have just the, um, the teas and coffee and different pastries. And then they have a wall with everyone's like photos from home. And it's like a really nice moment and they share it. And I just the, like the fact that it's unique. I don't know. This just feels like the cafeteria and a stage and a set. Yeah, it definitely feels like a set. Um, and granted, it is a set, but it definitely feels like one, which I don't think is what they were going for. Especially, I think the reason why it feels like a set is because they use the same place every single time and it looks slightly different every single time. And so, like, I think it kind of breaks down the, 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 what's a fourth wall? Fourth wall, kind of. It kind of breaks it down to where we now know, you know, it's a TV show. So we're going to reuse the same stuff kind of a thing. Um, and yeah, I think that, you know, there, there needs to be a little bit, you know, like I, like I, how I feel about challenges and these rewards. If it's a TV show, we want to keep it interesting for us, the viewers, make it a little bit different every single time, make it so that it's like bar seating. Maybe there's a bartender there, you know, maybe like there's like somebody who actually is like serving the food and it's not just like sitting on the table for the flies to eat. And, you know, things like that, where it's like slightly different every time makes it a little bit more intrigue. Um, yeah, I thought that this was a much better actual reward because there was food, multiple different kinds of food and then drinks, um, uh, which at least feels like a full meal and not just like something somebody found at Costco. Um, but I'm curious where they got their sangria from, because there's probably a good chance that it was just from Costco, which yeah. I mean, again, Costco. Let's let's make it happen. And, but you're right. I think they could have tweaked things to make it a little bit more appealing and unique. Why not bring back a past contestant to be the bartender? Why not bring a past contestant to be the waiter? I always think of the rewarding game changers where Debbie gets to go on the boat and boom, there's Cochran. Why not have, you know... Hey, Siri, I know you're probably doing another season of another reality show, but if you have any time for us in your crazy schedule, do you want to like be behind this? Do you want to be the gift of the sanctuary? Yeah. I think I think she would say yes to a free trip to Fiji. 
Yeah. She's probably going to be on next season anyway. So <laughs> yeah, it's like, I don't know, just a little bit different. And then let's get to the letters from home. First and foremost, even before we talk about Katora, I don't think he should have shared. I don't think Jeff should have shared that it was also letters from home. I like that. I, I like in the past when it's been like the letters from home or the family visit without actually being a family visit where yes. he kind of just like told them what they were going to eat and then they mm -hmm. go to the reward and then it's actually, oh my God, we also get letters. That's crazy. I kind of like that a little more than him like sharing it as a part of the reward. I don't know why that's minute stuff. Not that big of a deal. Um, but here's the thing. I don't understand how production let that letter slip through. Like, it's not like they didn't know, right? When you do Survivor, when, I mean, when you're like going through the, like the, the audition process of Survivor, they learn everything about you as close to everything as possible. So there's no way that they didn't know that to begin with. And the fact that this reward was now for one person swapped to be essentially a negative, a deterrent, uh, not deterrent, but like, it, it it took away from her experience where the reward is supposed to lift you up and make you feel better. Um, and it really made me upset that Couture had to deal with that um, on her reward. It just is not, not at all fair. And she should not have been put in that position. I agree. I think that we also get the scene later after the immunity challenge where they're trying to uplift her and have her jump into the water. I don't think they necessarily would have shown that. Maybe they would have, but I think they really wanted to emphasize it after the fact that they brought Katura down with this letter. And I almost think it was like, don't worry, like we're taking care of her. Like we'll uplift her. We'll show her that she's got a support system. It's like when RuPaul hugs a contestant is like, I'm your new mommy now. Like, I don't think Jeff would go that far, but I think that was sort of equivalent. And yeah, I wasn't a fan. Do better. I know it's I know it's probably tough, but if a person does not, maybe maybe make a list the same way that you put make a list during survivor casting of who you want as your loved one. Make a list of people that you will and won't accept letters from. I don't know. Um, but I agree about the spontaneity of it just being thrown in during the reward is very sweet. I was just re-watching Survivor Fiji and they go on this cool white water rafting trip and right when they get done and they're eating their food this guy just comes up i think it was maybe like the the rafting guide he's like oh by the way here are these things i don't know what they are but here you go and it was just so unexpected and i think that made it even more impactful because you weren't expecting it, it was the joy yeah. of 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 love and and comfort but yeah i agree and also i feel like um you know, I, I also feel like when you announce it at the challenge that it's also loved ones, um, it, and I guess this is maybe it makes it an interesting game thing to throw it in there because then you are also strategic, but also less strategic to choose people. Um, but then it just kind of adds another layer to the people that you don't choose. Um, which I guess because I love Emily so much, I'm biased that I just want her to have the easy choice all the time. I love that she was going to choose the women anyway. She was like, when I knew it was whatever I knew, I knew I was going to choose, choose my girls. I think is what she said. Um, and I just want to say, I don't think I ever said this. I'm so happy. Emily won. I'm so happy. I like cried a little bit. I got like teary eyed when she won the, the, when she dropped it and she was shaking and she like put her hands to her mouth. I just could 
feel that raw emotion through my TV. I was just so happy for her. Like she had been through, she's been through so much in this game. Um, you know, and just the fact that she's here and strong and, you know, wins that challenge just makes me so happy. The whole thing was put into perspective for me when she's walking through the jungle with Bruce and Bruce says, who would have guessed that we are working together, which they really weren't. But it's really interesting to think that those two people who on day one were sort of pitted against each other by Emily, really, are still in this game. And Emily has gone through this huge metamorphosis. If you look at the Lulu tribe, I'm sure day one, none of us were saying, yep, Emily's going to be the one to make it all the way out of out of that tribe. She's going to make it the furthest. And I'm just very lucky that we get to see this entire arc. And regardless of what happens, I think that she's proved something to herself. She can, is considering getting married now, which is very exciting. The only thing, sorry, I have to be this guy. The only thing that sort of irked me was, and it's not her fault, but it's everyone says, oh, Emily wins. This is incredible. And I think to myself, wow, like we're on episode 10. This has been a long time coming. Jeez. And then someone says, 18 days. I'm like, wait, wait. It's like a rec- re- record scratch moment for a second. Like, oh, 18 days. That's it? Yeah. What? What? Maybe it's because I just got finished watching a, an episode of Survivor Amazon and they were on like day 32 or something. But I was like, oh, it's hard, but it's a little over two weeks girly I know so proud of you but it's not her fault but I'm just like really (laughs) it it is I do think that they need to say the days less um because it does take especially the survivor fans like you and I who think about this all the time and the fact that I kind of forgot how far they were into the game and I only ever really remember it like day wise. And I only ever remember it when they say it out loud. I go, Oh, that's embarrassing. Don't say that. Um, like that's embarrassing for you. Don't. And I mean you by the production, like that's embarrassing for the production. Um, it's embarrassing, but it's really weird. And I just, I will say, I think that it's very funny that they they put I thought that was a great perspective that you said where Bruce and Emily were walking and 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 essentially like was like can you believe that we're here um and I thought of this when I saw a a, a video of Jeff on a podcast I don't think it was on the on fire I could be wrong um and he was saying like you know we are seeing Emily do this like metamorphosis pretty much and day 1 was essentially calling somebody out and on the boat and like five minutes into the game was calling her out. And that kind of irked me because calling him out um, because Emily was like, uh, I spoke to Emily's cousin about this, about the moment. I was like, how, how, did, what, what drove you to um, do that? And her cousin said that Emily was not the only person that was asked about Bruce. Um, everyone, everyone, every single person was on the boat was asked, was asked how they feel that Bruce was in the game. And every single person kind of gave a non-answer. And and apparently she was like one of the last ones. And she was like, you know, and she, uh, and I think her cousin said that she took the bait. Um, and she was like, she regretted it. She didn't, didn't mean to. It wasn't like she said it, because I'm pretty sure in the edit, it seemed as if she just said it out of the blue and like interrupted somebody. And no, no, no. Like everyone was prompted to talk about Bruce. Um, 
And it, I don't think it was like that quick into the show, but you know, it just, it kind of, when I'm reminded of things like that, it kind of goes to show that, you know, it is a game, but there is some outside influence, you know, it's not all that it's exact. It's not exactly how it seems on the TV screen. Um, and they were kind of pitted against each other because of that. Um, and I, you know, I did like that moment where they were walking in the, walking in the woods and talking. And we all knew that Emily was going to go up against Bruce and Bruce wasn't going to see it happen. But um, just like, you know, those things are just really interesting to me. I could not agree more. And I also think that this is our daily reminder. Survivor is a TV show. It is Mm -hmm. not a pure game. If you think it's going to be fair, it's not. These producers have control at the end of the day. Contracts change tremendously after season one if any of you are interested in learning about the stacy stacy stillman drama and why survivor is considered a game show and not put in a different category please i implore you to look that up and see what kind of rules are really at stake because basically the rules are we could do anything we want at any time without justification because it's our show this is what you signed up for if we want to eliminate all of you and bring in a new cast the next day we could do it And if we wanted to rig it for a certain person to win without actually saying we're rigging it, we can do that too. And that's the kind of control they have because ultimately is it a TV product? Yes, it's a game. We think everybody is coming in at equal playing uh, on an equal playing field. It's not the case, but doesn't mean it's not fun. It doesn't mean it's not, you know, we don't love it. We wouldn't be here if we don't love it. Right. Exactly. But it's like Mario party in the sense that no one's really, you get the same rules, but like, some people are just going to do better than others. And that's the yep. fun of it. But yep. anywho, we go to the sanctuary where where trauma happens. And I'm sorry, Katura, I had to go there. Mostly because I thought that was a good way to poop on, on the sanctuary. Katura, I, I'd love, we'd love to know how you are. We'd love to know and let you know that you are loved and give you a hug. Because having this exposed on television takes A, so much courage for you to talk about it so candidly. So I really, really admire that. And B, millions of people are going to see this. And I think that's what was especially short-sighted about the way that the producers handled this. And that's what I am most disappointed about because having your life put on blast in that way is not what you signed up for. Unfortunately, it can be a repercussion of that, but especially with something that you actively probably weren't really talking about that much with other people because it sounded like when she brought it up, it was the first time that some people were hearing it, hearing it at that table. Um, Really broke my heart for her. Yeah. Yeah. It was, it was really like a moment that just, uh, like I said, I just, I don't understand how it was even possible that it happened. You know, it's not like the producers didn't know about that and, and I could be wrong. Maybe they didn't, but I would be shocked if they didn't know that kind of large detail. Um, uh, of some, of some, in some way, shape or form. Um, and yeah, it just was like really rewards are supposed to be that rewards. There should never be something that slips through the cracks like that to make it so that it's not rewarding to go on a reward. Like, um, it's really upsetting. And if anybody doesn't follow Katora on, um, TikTok, I would recommend going and following her on TikTok. I'm not sure what her handle is off the top of my head. Um, but she has posted some really interesting videos, some really good videos. She posted one. I don't know if it's still up, but she posted one talking about that moment. 
Um, and, you know, she was talking about how she watched this episode with friends. She knew it was coming. She also knew, you know, she knew that there were a couple of really difficult things coming her way in this episode. Uh, and so it's really lovely to hear from her perspective, her point of view, kind of uncandidly or candidly, not uncandidly, candidly. Um, and uh, I highly recommend following her on TikTok. I don't think she posted this to Instagram. I think it's just TikTok. So go give her a follow. Um, she also posted a really nice, she posted some really nice things, but she also posted a really nice video about how her friend, um, after a particularly hard episode on her a couple weeks ago, um, put together a document of all like screenshots of all of the really positive comments that she's, she got on that episode. And she put it all in one document for Katora to see. Um, and that like moment, when I watched that, I was like, that's what, and it was like unprompted. They, she just knew that she was having a hard time watching this. Um, and she, you know, a lot of times when you're reading comments, the negative ones are the ones that stick with you, even though it's usually like 90% positive and 10% negative, but those 10% really feel like a hundred percent. And so, um, it was really cool to see like, you know, that kind of female friend, like friendship, like women friendships, like female friendships. They do, we do things like that for each other. And it was so beautiful. And just go follow Katora, long story short, long story long, um, uh, because she's a great follow on TikTok and she makes some great videos. Thank you for sharing that. I really do appreciate that update as someone who is not on TikTok and was still very unsure um, about what goes on. I don't really follow a lot of contestants closely. I'll see some things on Instagram, for example, um, but other social media platforms, I don't know. So that's very insightful. And it makes me very happy to know that she was with a lot of people who are supporting her because everyone deserves a support system when their whole life is being exposed and put yeah. under a magnifying glass. So yeah. the good news is about this reward is that the women do seem to be on the same page to an extent about wanting to get out Bruce, which is fun. And then Emily exposes Oh, I'm sorry. Katura exposes the fact that Bruce has lied. And so they talk about the potentially lie. the real lie. Yes. Yeah. And they decided they'll probably split the vote between Jake and Bruce. And this just this whole episode, Bruce is at the at, at the center. I really don't know what the season is going to look like without Bruce. And while we ponder that. We will have a quick ad and we will be right back. Hi, Survivor Now podcast listeners. I am Katie from KT Designs, better known as Katie Tedesco Art on both Instagram and Etsy. I have been designing and selling Survivor products for over seven years at my Etsy shop, including replicas like hidden immunity idols and Survivor trading cards with all of the players' stats on the back. I am so grateful for Survivor Now for giving me the shout out and helping me reach even more super fans. I love listening to their podcast. So if you are looking for some really unique reality TV products for yourself or to give a super fan in your life, come check out my Etsy shop at www.etsy.com slash shop slash katietedescoart.com. And we are back. And while the girls were sipping sangria, probably from Costco, uh, the boys were back at camp having a boys' night. Tegwith, share share with me verbally what your eyes wish to say. Okay. <laughs> Let me just say, okay, I have no problem 
with the whole montage. It it doesn't, it's like, but the thing that bugs me is like, they're like, the girls are gone, so we can fart. You're living with these people like 24 seven. Are you telling me that you've not been farting in front of them? I just, I don't know. There was something about it that was just like, so, and I'm one of the few people, oh my gosh, people loved that montage. They were, they loved it. And it's not that I didn't like it. It's just that I didn't like it. You know what I mean? Like, it was like. You have every right not to, 100%. I don't know. It was just so, uh, I don't know. I can't, I can't even describe. It's like, I didn't hate it, um, but also why, you know? (laughs) I think I think because they can. And I think if this is what they're going to do with the extra minutes that they have based on the 90-minute episodes, I'm not mad at it. No. I mean, the guys were talking about farting. Drew is flexing. We get a freeze frame of him flexing at the end. Jake saying, guys being dudes, which I, I have to believe is, is him saying it ironically. And then we get, yeah, the montage to a very quintessential 80s playing with the boys from top gun by kenny loggins and it probably costs more than most of the rewards of the season to be able to license that song and although i didn't love every aspect of it i feel like that this montage was in the same universe as like a homoerotic volleyball montage (laughs) it's not the same level but it lives in the same universe and for that reason i'm at peace with that but i my qualm Sorry, Drew, I'm coming at you again. He says that he's never experienced broing out, quote unquote, which I don't believe because didn't he say that Drew is like the nerdy part of him and Basile is like the frat boy part of him earlier in the season? I am so confused by this. I think it's an inconsistency. And I would like uh, friends of Drew and Drew's cousins to let us know about whether or not this is true because I don't believe it. I really don't. I think maybe he's never experienced growing out on Survivor. And also, I I just, I can't, I, I can't believe, I cannot bring myself to believe that what growing out entails, because literally, what really did they show us? What really did they show us? They showed us a little bit. They showed bit us of, this. Yeah. Like, that's, <laughs> not, that's not growing out. Like, or, or maybe it is. I'm not a, I guess, I, I'm not Tag Te- with the, the, the. The local expert at broing out says <laughs> that was not broing out. <laughs> <laughs> like, it just, what that was, was, I don't know. I don't know what that was. It just does not feel, I don't know. The women were like sitting around and talking. And I'm not saying that the men needed to be talking, but to me, broing out is like, I don't know, going and doing something. Like, I just, well, I think it was maybe, the edit. they did it for fun. They, I think it was more of just like the edit doing the edits thing. And I did not take it so seriously, but it just, I, I did. I'm not going to lie. I rolled my eyes. I'm not going to lie. I rolled my eyes when I was watching it. And I did now. too, but I think that's because that's what they were going for with the Kenny Loggins. If they wanted a serious, like we are guys, they would have played make a man out of you from Mulan, but they didn't. They played a Kenny Loggins song from Top Gun. How much more cheesy can it get, you know? Somebody on the TikTok Live was, uh, it's uh, it's Mama Madeline. Madeline said it was so corny. And I think corny is the correct word. Um, Definitely, that's what it was. It was was corny. That's such a beautiful send off to Bruce though, because 
Bruce has been like the slapstick physical comedy guy this season. And if he was going to get an episode where he was sent off, I would expect it to be filled with with cheese and corn and all yeah. of the other foods that people and ham, all yeah. the other foods that people associate with a, a, a large shtick. So that being said, even though it was not my favorite thing, the last thing I expected to do this morning was was to be defending this montage because I <laughs> thought that I would have liked it a lot less than you did. But here we are. The tables have turned. I'm defending the broing out montage. I think it was really just like the they were like, okay, the girls are gone. We can fart now. And I'm like, you're telling me, you are telling me on an island where you don't shower, you don't brush your teeth, you have to go poop in the ocean. You're telling me that you don't fart in front of the people that you're playing with. You're going to say that to my face. That doesn't make any sense to me. But, you know, I've never been on the island. I don't know what I'm saying. So... Well, on um, on that note, we can put a pin in the bro down hoedown. No, fine. But before no not only about the bro down, before I move on from the from the like whole sanctuary broing down all about that stuff, I just want to make sure that we mention the iconicness of Emily drinking wine in the confessionals. Like I feel like that moment, having her do that, really felt like I was sitting with like a girlfriend, like at you know, getting a drink after work or something. I loved that editing moment. It was very, um, who else did that? Ryan was saying that somebody else did that in, was it Devin Pinto? Um, somebody else did a confessional with wine. Um, and he I was, always and he, think of Mike White, but you're probably right. Yeah. Cause Mike White didn't do the confessional. Conf I didn't do confessionals with wine. He just did a great mm -hmm. reward with wine. That was amazing. Yes. But I just love the fact that they kind of like, I feel like the confessionals typically are just like outside of the game and not that the game isn't really brought in, but the fact that she was able to have her wine, it like was like the game was a part of the confessional and I really loved it. And that's all I wanted to say about that. But I just love that editing moment. I thought it was really nice. It was nice. And I wish that we've seen that we could have seen stuff like that earlier in survivor, like Boston Rob smoking a big cigar as he's talking about taking yes. people down. Iconic. Um, I don't know, Jan Gentry, like with a huge bottle of whatever she's drinking that day. Love it. I wish that we could have seen those things. And that also means that we didn't get anyone like stumbling from their from their drink, which was really sad. And I love to see someone get drunk on Survivor. I love to see the moments like Carl on David versus Goliath not being able to strategize with him because he is drunk. Incredible. The fisheye lens that's used in Survivor Amazon when Rob Sesternino is way too close to the camera and he's drunk and it's at night and it's like this huge oh, fisheye lens. And his, his face looks so wide and distorted. It's hilarious. So, so Emily's too classy for that. She is a financial analyst. She does have an image to uphold. So yes. she she couldn't be bothered to, you know, get, get that wild. And honestly, I appreciate it. Yep. But the last little thing I want to say about the sanctuary, and maybe this is just a detail that I picked up on. Everyone has the same color paper. They're all different colors, but they're all the same colorful pieces of construction paper that people were, you know, mm. their families were writing on. I don't like that. Let the families have some autonomy of what they want to write. If they want to write it on the back of like some freaking piece of junk mail that they received earlier in the week that's their prerogative and I don't really like the fact that it couldn't be I feel like it takes the personalization out of it and I, I feel like like if I was there I would be like oh my mom sent me this letter on like fill in the blank it just makes it that more special that they were the one to yeah. do it 
And I know, I know it's a really small detail and the art, art department's doing their best, except when it comes to uh, designing buffs that don't look the same every season. But otherwise, they're doing their best and I can't really fault them too much for this. But I think that's all I have to say on the... Yeah. And then I just think like getting back into like the, I guess it kind of goes into where we're about to find out that um, uh, Emily is about to tell people that Bruce, Emily and I think Katura and maybe Julie are going to tell people that Bruce is going to lie. Um, Bruce got away with the lie when it was just the guys. Um, yep. Bruce, Bruce lied and um, told Jake and Jake then went to um, Drew mm -hmm. and said, this is the lie. That's the way to tell a lie. I think on Survivor. Don't tell it to the person that you want to hear it. Tell it to somebody that thinks that you think, tell it to somebody they that you think, Jake thinks that Bruce trusts him. Right. And I think that Bruce knew that Jake was going to go tell somebody. Mm -hmm. And so I think that's the correct way to tell a lie. Because if Bruce had just outright said it to Drew, I don't think Drew would have believed it. Um, and so the fact that Jake was the one to spread the information, I thought was a really smart move on Bruce's part. Um, and I'm very happy that Katora told about Bruce's, you know, little lie. I would have been very interested to see what would have happened if the lie was a lie, you know, actually happened. You know what I mean? Not everyone can buy the lie the same way that Jake does. Also, if you're, if you're watching on YouTube right now, you will see a photo of, of Jake, which is very interesting editorial choice because it's not like we've highlighted the person who was eliminated we've just we've just highlighted jake smiling and honestly yeah. if you're out there andy and you're listening i really like that choice and to get to the really juicy moment of jake this episode where he and drew are talking to each other ooh, ooh this is good so jake goes to mama J and pitches drew and then Mama J immediately tells Drew. And Drew confronts Jake because he feels like Jake should owe him. And Jake is like, screw you. I don't owe you. And I think that Drew is working under some assumptions here that are false. Largely, the fact that Jake would feel grateful or ultimately not self-interested in a game that is very much predicated on self-interest. So Drew, I guess, was being a little naive or hopeful by hoping that Jake would say, you know what, you've stuck your neck out for me a few times, I'm going to repay you. That's not how this game works. You can walk right over people right after they helped you. And I think Jake ultimately is self-interested. And when you're backed in a corner, like Jake has been, I think it's easier to be in defense mode than I'm, I want to be benevolent and work with you and whatever. Um, and Drew flat out says, like, we can vote for you because you have no allies. So... It is what it is. And then we hear from Jake in confessional, you're not a gift from God, which, again, iconic. And then the, the way to cap this whole interaction off, Drew starts pressing Jake for info. And Jake is, is, is like, you know what? I think our conversation is over. And Drew calls him a mobster. And it's very tense. We don't get many in issues like this in the new era that we see. We see a few tense moments. But that was so, so good. Thank you it for delivering. So, it was so juicy and beautiful. And I will, I was, I love the, I'm not, how am I the mobster? Like, it's so good with this accent. <laughs> oh my gosh. 10 out of 10. Like, so funny. So good. And here's the thing. Like, that is, I think that is the, what happens when you've been on the top for such a long time, right? Drew thinks, I do believe that Drew kind of thinks three before are slightly untouchable. 
uh, especially him and Austin. And um, I think, you know, when you're at the top for so long, if you hear your name for a, even a second, you know, you feel like the game is like turned on you, even though it was never going to be Drew, right? Um, and so I just thought that, you know, that was very interesting and just shows how comfortable Drew had felt up until this point. And the thing that I think that you forget, especially when you're at the top for so long, is that it is a game for a million dollars and people are going to be playing. There's one, there's one thing about Survivor, people be playing. Um, so, you know, it, it was a very interesting moment. I do think it exposed a little bit how comfortable Drew felt up until then. Um, and I really liked that Jake was like not even, you know, entertaining it. Jake was like, I'm done. No, we, I, I don't even need to talk to you about this anymore. Because I think that, you know, it really, when you hear your name so often and you're the backup vote all the time, uh, it, it must get really old, really, really fast. And then to see somebody whose name has never been put out, put out there before, really get annoyed. I would be like, I'm, I'm sorry. Are you talking to me right now? I, you mean me, the person who's been, whose name has been put out like 70 different times. All right. Maybe go talk to a different audience. Like, like it was a really interesting moment. Love, love when survivor like gets like that. Sometimes we need those moments every once in a while because at the end of the day it's night and at the end of the day it's also a reality show and people want to be entertained and they want to see interpersonal conflict and sometimes they cast people who are just really nice and don't want to fight with people and sometimes we want to see some conflict sometimes we want to see things getting to people and we got a lot of that this episode so 10 out of 10 in that regard and we get to this immunity challenge yada yada sort of cool Ends up being Austin versus Bruce, and Bruce drops. Honestly, it almost looks like Bruce just sort of gave up there. Maybe he wanted to make it look like, eh, I'm, I'm not really failing. I'm just, I'm choosing to lose. Um, but regardless, Austin wins. So congrats to Austin. And we get our, our nice moment at the end where, because Katura dropped out in the challenge, she gets, you know, a chance by Jeff to redeem herself sort of and and swim with everybody else and jump back into the water, which she does take advantage of. It's a very heartwarming moment. But again, coming off the heels of the moment at the sanctuary, I do feel like this is a push on the producer's end to be like, let's uplift her, which again, it's not a bad thing, but I think it's almost like reconciliation for their, their major hiccup earlier in the episode personally. But we don't have to spend any more time on that because we've spent enough time on that. I do want to add about the challenge, about the immunity challenge. Um, the One of the big takeaways from this episode that I had was the fact that Jeff was like, it's like you're at, it's, it's like you're at a carnival. Um, and, uh, you know, go get a scone. And I thought, what freaking carnival have you been to, Jeffrey Probst? Turns out, and I made a whole thing about it. Like I made a, ma- I made a TikTok about it. I was just like so confused why he would say that. It was like, did he run out of words? And the only word he could think of was scone. I don't know. It was very weird. And especially because that challenge, what, uh, what, what, okay. What carnivals did you go to? Apparently, according to the comments in my, uh, on my TikTok videos, that um, in Washington, where Jeff is from, fair scones are a thing. So Jeff was like, it's like a thing in Washington state. That like you go to a fair and I was like, fair to me is like fried Oreos, uh, uh, funnel cake, funnel cakes. Yeah. 
Sometimes people eat those like turkey legs. Blooming onions. Yeah. yeah. That kind of a thing. Like literally the worst, like I swear at one of the f- things that I saw, I saw fried butter at one of the state fairs. And I've I- seen fried Kool-Aid. Anything's Ooh. possible. Oh, so weird. Not that it should be, but it is. But, um, And so I thought it was like, what hoity-toity fairs are you going to where it's like scones? You also get high tea at these fairs. But apparently fair scones are a thing in Washington. And I want to publicly apologize to Jeff Probst for making fun of him and not doing my research ahead of time. So, Well, you've apologized to him once and he owes us about 7 billion apologies, yep. but... Maybe one day we'll get to the same level. I had to show him that it was possible to apologize. I I can do it. That means you can do it too. That's true. Set the precedent. I appreciate that. (laughs) So we are at this pre-tribal portion right after the immunity challenge. And Katura is considering targeting Julie in part because she's so lovable. And I really want to dig into this whole Mama J moniker because, which also before we get into that, Katura has a great quote where she says, This is such a sick, twisted, disgusting, ridiculously delicious, enjoyable, terrifying game. And I think that could have been the the name for the episode. (laughs) I think that's a a, a clip that they use that survivors should use for all for promos for the rest of the seasons for all time, because that's the perfect descriptor of this TV show. I agree. Ooh, maybe once we get closer to the end of the season, we should talk about if we were going to make like a sizzler reel for the season, what moments we would pick and, and put in them. And I definitely think that this would be yeah. part of it. Yeah. hundred percent. So Emily tells Bruce that mama J is not with him and she lies saying that she's going to join the old bellow to vote her out. And she wants to do this to lull him into a full sense of security, of course. So he doesn't play his idol. But I also just want to talk about the whole mama J of it all, because Being called a mom has a certain connotation. And I also think it's really hard to be that kind of person and win the game. And it kind of, if we flash forward to tribal just a little bit, it irked me when Emily said, well, there are a lot of advantages to being called like Mama J, you know. And I guess, but not in the long run, because when has someone who fills that niche one survivor? When was the last time? When does it really benefit them? I don't think it does. I think it's a hindrance because people do see you as a threat. They say, I feel too close to this person. And when you do get backstabbed by them, it hurts even more. A la Dawn, you know? Yes. 1000%. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's this interesting thing that when you, um that both age and gender play a role, you know, in, in how you're viewed on Survivor. I always think about how when Reem went out to play, um, she, her first instinct was she did not want to be the mom. She knew that that was the, the opposite of what you needed when you're out on Survivor. But because this is honestly the reason why I say you can't really change anything about yourself when you go on Survivor, how much, no matter how hard you drive is because when Reem went out, she didn't want to like play into the instincts of like taking care of people. And that's why she got voted out because she was taking care of people too hard. And I, that's when I realized, Oh, you really can't, you know, you're, you're stripped down to your bare, like nothingness. You really can't change that much about yourself. Um, but I always think about how that was, that's her instinct because you, yes, you, people trust you when you're the mom, but when they bat, when you're back, people, when you backstab them, then, you know, it's like you were backstabbed by your mom. 
Um, and it's, it, it, you know, hurts that much worse. If you watch big brother, both Felicia and Sari were called mama. And it's just like, I don't know. I've never heard anybody go on survivor or any of these things, a man, an older man and be called like dad in an endearing way. You know what I mean? Like in a way that's like, Oh my God, I've been hurt like a dad, but no one said like dad, 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 Bruce. You know what I mean? In like a, in like a, in like a way that was like, oh, you're my dad and who's taking care of things. Like, that's not a thing. And I just think it's so, it's so upsetting that women, specifically women of a certain age and Julie is not like, these people are not like that old. Um, And people who are calling them mom are like, I don't know, 17, 18 years younger than them. That's like, that age difference is not that big. And it just, um, I don't know, it, it stinks. It stinks. And that just shows you how Survivor is really like, you know, you take your preconceptions that you have in the real world and it, it's not like you can leave those behind. They sometimes get heightened. And, you know, if somebody tells you that you're Mama J on day one, um, then it's kind of hard to get to get out of that. And it really stinks because I don't think, I think actually take Mama J to the end you probably will win sitting next to her because people usually don't vote for quote unquote, the mom. That's true. I think that this cast especially really values strategy. So I think it's almost a straw man argument to say, well, she's the mom. So if she gets to the end, she's going to win. I don't think that's the case. I think every jury is different. And I think this jury especially will care about strategy. I think there are some people that will vote emotionally. I think, Kendra potentially will. I think Bruce potentially will. But I think that for the most part, this jury is probably going to act in a pretty logical way. And I don't think they're going to value the fact that although Julie has been a really supportive person and has been decent challenges, she hasn't been a huge strategic force. And I think that that will ultimately play into their decision more than anything else. So I think it's, like I said, false, false idea, false, false narrative that is going to take Julie out probably, I think, when it really wasn't deserved. But yeah. I don't know. Yeah. It's it's tough. It is. It's so tough. And I and I just want to say, like, I think that if any of the Bella Four get to the end, they have an argument of strategy, I would say. I would argue on that. Like, argue on that a little bit. Because I think that there are... Um, I think that in the edit we're seeing, there are people who feel a little bit more strategic than others, but I do feel like the Bellow Four have that, they, you know, they have a name in mind. Usually they go for it. Now, Julie there, she's like tried to go for Jake a couple of times. It hasn't hit. Right. But I think that there, if any of the Bellow Four, or sorry, Reba Four, I'm saying Bellow Four, Reba Four, make it to the end. I think that they, any of them have an argument for like out strategizing people. Um, the one thing I will say, if, if, if Emily gets to final triple council, I just want to say her jury management is beautiful. We're talking about how, you know, if, if somebody who is deemed like mama, if they backstab somebody, you know, usually it's a bad thing. On the other hand, when Emily is doing it, she's doing it where she's taking credit in a, in a way that's not like I did that. It's, it's like, I'm sorry that this had to happen kind of a thing. Um, but she's doing it to where it like almost softens the blow. You know, she goes to people and she tells people the the truth. She tells people what's going on 
in a way that doesn't really change the outcome of the game or it changes it in her favor um, to where they have some agency at least. And so I think about it with Caleb, you know, I think about it, you know, I think she did beautifully with Bruce. I think she's working really well with Jake and she has the trust of these people over on Reba. Um, and the fact when, when, when Bruce was getting voted out or whatever in, in that final, she like grabbed his shoulder. And I think it was in like an endearing way. And I just think that her jury management from what we've seen is, should be a case study if she ends up going to the end and winning, I really think the way that she is making these moves almost should be a case study for, for future players because it's so, I, from what I've seen, I think it's borderline masterful. Now, granted, we haven't seen the whole season, but I just think that what she's doing is really amazing. Like she took credit for the Kelly thing and that was not her really. Um, you know, she said, I'm sorry. And Kelly said, was this you? And she nodded her head because she did vote with them, but it wasn't really her. Um, right. And I just think it's really, I think she's doing a really good job at, at taking credit, but also not making herself too big of a target. I'm Emily. I'm, I'm on the Emily train Toot to, it is very hard to balance those two things, but I do think she does it. Well, my only concern is that if you tell someone that you think it's going to be them right before they go out the door, that could leave a bad taste in their mouth. So I think that you have to be a little bit more, thinking about the end game or thinking about like a few steps ahead. I like that she was saying this to Jake in this episode because I don't think that Jake is necessarily going to have many more days in this game um, unless people decide to take him as a goat. But I think that you run the risk sometimes of telling someone the day that they're going and that could cause a huge scramble potentially. But I think, I think, I think that she's her strategically though, like, I don't think that she's doing it just to do it. That's why I don't think it's like, I think there's reasoning behind it. Right. When <laughs> she, the two times she went to Caleb and was like, it's you, she essentially saved him because there was something that they could do about it, you know? Right. And I think like with the Bruce thing, she was telling him so that they could work together and mm -hmm. to build that trust of them working together to like make him feel comfortable to not play his idol. And I, so I really think the way she's doing it, it's not just saying like, it's you, sorry. Where I remember in David versus Goliath, Angelina did that with um, Elizabeth at the merge vote. And it was just like, well, what was the point of that? And it was so obviously bad jury management when Angelina did that. I just think Emily's doing it in a slightly more underhanded is not the quite, is not the correct word, but just nuanced. like nuanced way. Yeah. I think she's yeah. doing it in a nuanced way. I think so too. That's that's a very good point. So we are going to take a quick break. And once we come back, we will talk about Tribal and give out some awards and talk about what is going on in the future. What's up, guys? I'm Todd Herzog, the winner of Survivor China. And I want to welcome you to Todd's Pop Shop. Here, me and my husband, Jess, we custom make Funko Pops. We'll make literally anybody or anything you could imagine. But being that we're here listening to the Survivor Now podcast, I'm assuming you're all Survivor fans. So take a look at these, some custom Funkos of your favorite Survivor winners, Sandra and Yule. Or how about Big Brother fans? Suri Goddess herself playing the game of Big Brother. You can also get her in Survivor form. Or maybe yourself with your favorite buff and a torch playing the game. But even better, get yourself with your favorite player like Nora here with Ozzy. And since you're listening to the Survivor Now podcast, if you mention this ad, you will get $10 off your first order and free shipping. All season long, Survivor 45 should be a good one. 
mention this ad, $10 off and free shipping. I'll be watching too, still a diehard fan to this day. Hit me up on Instagram, Todd's Pop Shop, or Todd's Pop Shop at gmail.com, or on Facebook, and I will see you soon. And we are back, and it's time for Tribal. I know we dug into some of the stuff related to Mama J, um, but I do want to talk about Bruce and whether or not people are pressing him to play his idol. It seemed at first that people were like being a little heavy-handed with, oh, Bruce is going to play his idol. Is he? Who knows? Um, how do you think they handled that? I mean, clearly it worked. I think... It, it was really, I felt like it was heavy handed, but I also knew what was going to happen. Um, so, you know, when you know the outcome of something, when you, when you see it happening, then you can kind of see all of the things that they said. I think they had to kind of make it obvious to a, to a fault almost. Um, because, you know, I, I do think it was like slightly heavy handed. Um, but I just, you know, you have to make somebody feel comfortable and, I think that clearly they made him feel comfortable, but you have to really, you know, have that balance of like, we're, you know, we know that this is going to happen. So we have to figure out something else the way to, you know, something else to happen to like balance it out or whatever. Um, and it was just like, Oh, I just want to say so on a separate note, kind of not separate. I got, I was so upset. I was really upset when he didn't play his idol and I know that there are some people who don't love Bruce that much this season. I really enjoyed watching him. Um, I have had the pleasure of meeting him and he is so fun. And, you know, I was just like, oh no. When he said in the beginning of the episode, like, I don't want to go home with this in my pocket or whatever he said, like there was something he said at the beginning of the episode or at the end of the last episode. I can't really remember. In that moment, I knew he was going home with it in his pocket. Like, it was just, I just was like, no, please, please play it. That's why my PSA to everybody, when in doubt, play it out. Play when in doubt, idol. play it out, do it. Yeah. Rather play leave it. everything, everything out on the field than wishing that you could have done more. And I completely agree, especially for someone who's second time. Yeah. Right? Uh, so how did you feel about this? Um, do you think that they, I mean, obviously they handled it well enough where he didn't play it, but how do you think that it could have been, you know, handled better or any any kind of differences that you would have done? Yeah. If, if it were me and they asked me and my name was Drew, my answer wouldn't have been indubitably. But, you know, everyone's he everyone's got their own. He sure did. Everyone's got their own jargon, their own personal vernacular, and I just maybe think that his isn't for me, but I mean, work, Drew. Yeah. You better work. You better work. Good on you. But on that note, unfortunately, we do say goodbye to Drew. I'm sorry, Bruce. I'm sorry. I was, that was a Freudian slip of what I wish had happened. <laughs> but we do say goodbye to Bruce, and it ends up being four votes Bruce, three votes Jake, and one vote Julie. And Bruce is a good sport on his way out. Ooh, Jake looks like he's going to cry. Yeah, I say be a bad sport. I I thought that Jake looked like he was going to cry on the way out, mostly because he was just shaken up by everything. Um, and everyone is celebrating at the same time. It's it's very it's a mix of emotions, which is what I love to see. I also think, oh my God, Kendra 
on the jury, she is very much giving me Eliza in Micronesia, like, I came prepared for this. I am going to stunt on all of you. And I'm going to pull some faces at the same time. I just... I, I love, love the jury Mika. so far this season. I think that they're giving them a lot of airtime. I do wish... Survivor fans were never happy. I do wish that they would go back to them introducing the jury. Um, I like they have their little moment. Um, like, you know, they come in and they get this moment of like looking at the jury and then the new person is coming out and they're like smiling or whatever. Um, I do miss that. Um, but I do love how much we're getting about from the jury, the the reactions, kind of the talking, all of this stuff. Um, and I, I really do love all of that. Um, I do have a question from the, the TikTok live, which is kind of, we can talk about it at the end, but just so that you can think about it. Um, Hey, Boar says, um, think, do you think D is going to get blindsided? Um, so just like a little, little food for thought, but we can keep talking about tribal, but, um, there's just, not too much left to say about tribal, so we can dig into this if you want to. And my 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 concise answer is probably, but I'm hoping not because she's my winner pick. I'm hoping not. I really, um, I I really would love for a D. I would love for a D win. Like I really think that D, a D win would be really exciting and really um, awesome. And um, but I do, and I really would hope. I don't want it to, so I think that Drew is kind of, I said this a couple of times before, but I think Drew is being painted as the mastermind of the read before. Um, that's kind of the edit that I'm seeing from him and from the editors and stuff. And so I personally don't see the benefit of a D blind side quite yet versus like a Drew or Austin who has two friggin' idols. You know what I mean? But who knows that Austin has two idols? I guess he has one and a half. Julie might have the other one, but who knows that he has idols? Anybody? Ooh. Except maybe. for the report. Yeah, I'm not sure, but I hope that Julie takes this as an opportunity to shake up her game and play an idol. That yeah. would be awesome if she just threw that out there and went rogue, which we do hear her say in the in the preview for next episode where she says, I'm gonna go rogue. Mm-hmm. Hopefully that means she plays Drew's or I'm sorry, Austin's idol and gets one somebody else out, that would be juicy. Yeah, and, and the thing is that the last time on Survivor, at the beginning of this episode, um, they showed Austin giving Julie the idol. Why mm-hmm. would they show that? You know why would they mean? show why would they show D's big toe in in camp yeah. life if it didn't end up helping her win an immunity challenge? Yeah. Right. So and they, these they editors not, know what they're doing. They showed us. In the last time on Survivor, they showed us Austin giving Julie the idol. They did not show us, not yet, Julie giving Austin back the idol. It doesn't I, mean that it didn't happen. It's just we haven't seen it yet. I agree. Um, and if if Mama J wants to say that she did something strategic in this game, I think that using an idol towards the end and screwing up that huge alliance that's been at the center of everything this season would be a huge feather in her cap. So. Yeah. We'll see if she can call it macaroni. Do you think... (laughs) That was so funny. Do you think that this is the right time for a Reba member? Like, from Reba members' perspective, do you think that this is the right time, this next episode in Final 7, right? Final 7, yeah. Um, To make a move against one of your own. Or do you think it's like a Final 6 move? I... Personally, I would say get out Emily in the next vote. 
as an obvious like she's a threat we're not worried about these bellow people and then i think after that that would be my that would be my analysis do you think that they're gonna go after emily like do you think that they've actually noticed how much of a threat she is i don't know but i think that's if if it were me and i were either drew or austin then i would say it's better to not just keep stringing her along because I know that she knows that in the end, it's not going to work out in her favor. So I think the further we bring her along, the more bitter she's going to be. And if we can sort of pin this on like a, Oh, and other people wanted to do this too. I think it's better because if it ends up being an all Riva final three, then they can say the blood is on all of our hands. Yep. You can't get mad at all of us. You have to vote for one of us. So I think that might be a reason to get rid of Emily in this next round. I think that you have a, a very good point there. Um, I, 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 I'm just curious, like the other thing that I think would not be a good move. If I'm in the re before, I think that final seven is too early to, to turn on one of the four. Um, but I think it's almost going to be like Gabby Piscuzzi in um, David versus Goliath, where she wants to make the move so badly first that it ends up biting her. Mm-hmm. And I feel like maybe one of the four will do something like that in this episode and, and try to make a move. And then it ends up backfiring on them. Um, because I do think that like, if you get antsy, if you get antsy and you want to make a move before it's the time to make the move, um, you know, it, it, it could backfire. It will most likely backfire on you. Um, I do, I am, I'm worried that it's good. The next vote is actually just going to be Jake. It's going to be like a quote, easy, easy vote for Jake. Yeah. Um, which I don't want. I think that it would be a little bit more interesting as a television show for one of the Rebus to either go down in flames or to, you know, get out one of their own um, or for Emily to go out. I don't want Emily to go out. Yeah, no, let's let's, let's not have that happen. But, but we'll see if like James from uh, Survivor China and Micronesia and Heroes versus Villains says, don't bite the apple. And he, and he said to Parvati, I always knew you would be an apple biter. so let's see if anybody in this cast is an apple biter but on that note we're going to enter award season and we are going to give away the social butterfly award to the individual we feel played the best socially this episode tegwith start us off okay okay so i personally think best socially this episode I feel like there wasn't a ton of social gameplay this episode. Uh, I feel like it was a little bit more like the social gameplay that I think we saw was negative, was not good. Like the, like I'm, I'm thinking like um, Drew and Jake, I'm thinking, you know, I don't, I don't know. I'm just thinking that I'm, we haven't seen a lot of, but I will say, I think the one per, like, I think I'm going to have to go with Emily for the social butterfly. The reason, my reasoning behind it is number one, Uh, I think she, like I said, I think she's got some really good jury management um, and the way she was handling both Jake and Bruce and seemingly still keeping the target off her back, I think is really amazing. And then also in two out of the last four seasons, the winner of the letters from home went home that episode. Hmm. Um, I believe it was Noel and somebody else. And I can't remember their name. I can't remember who it was. I mean, um, but I feel like this is the the one that people could get bitter. And and I think, you know, this is the reward that I think a lot of times people can get bitter, can get upset. Um, oh, it was Franny. It was Franny. Thank you. Thank you. Hey, hey, Boar. Um, and 
I think, you know, the, how she picked the, you know, for the three women and, 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 and everything that she did there, I think was a really good social move and she handled it. And she still, I think that her threat level has not gone up, even though she won a challenge. And I think that, that I think is a good social player and somebody who can, you know, kind of maneuver in a way. And so for all of those reasons, I'm going to have to say, Emily. Emily, who will maybe get married. Mm-hmm. We we support you, Emily. We support only you. if she wants your your holy union. So so if you choose, um, and I also support that and endorse that as the as the winner of the social struggle. I'm sorry, the winner of the social butterfly this week. Sorry, I was getting ahead of myself. As for the social struggle bus, I, as much as I sing this person's praises, I'm gonna have to say Mama J. Mm. And I think because people are starting to have her more on their radar, and I think that they realize she's a threat, she's an easy name that we can continue to throw out, and a lot of it isn't within her control, but I do think that if she wanted to do something about it, she could play a little bit more actively and throw other people under the bus. And I think it's really hard for her to, as the driver, you would hope that she would be running people over in the bus, but... Hmm. I think it's hard for her to divorce her feelings yeah. from everything else. And I think that's been affecting her, her social game. I didn't think about Julie until you said it. My, my first instinct was Drew because I think that, you know, when that whole confrontation that Drew and Jake had, um, I think was kind of showed Drew's hand a little bit more than it showed Jake's hand. Um, and I just don't think that he handled it in the way uh, someone in his position should handle it. Like, I think he should have been a little bit more cool, calm and collected. It's really hard when somebody's like coming at you, you hear your name and I get that. But, you know, I feel like he's in a good position with three other people. And I just think that, yeah, somebody over here said he seemed flustered. And I think that that's kind of how I saw him. He was a little flustered by all of that. And I think it affected his game a little bit. Um, but I really liked your what you said about julie and i kind of agree with that and so i think i am going to have to change my driver to to julie instead of drew um but i think it's a close race for me it's a close close one for me um but i think it's definitely going to be one of those one of those two for me whoops can you hear me Yes, I was just super I animated. I thought it was my computer. Sorry. No, nope, technical difficulties. But I just said, as soon as you said Drew, I thought I would love to say Drew. So I think that I might change my answer to Drew. Sorry, Drew. But <laughs> I think I am going to ultimately keep it with Julie, unfortunately, because I don't think that going forward, she'll have as much mobility as Drew will. Drew still has a lot of stock in the sense that he's still really close with Austin and he still has really good connections overall. But as a whole... Yeah, I'm sorry, Mama J, but I'm not sure I have a lot of faith in your ability to bounce back after this. Yeah. But anywho, thank you all so, so much for joining us for this week of Survivor Social. We have an extra special guest here at the last minute, an adorable cat. Pepito. Pepito, we love you, Pepito. Thank you for joining us. Pepito is my winner pick. 
And Pepito. Oh, Pepito, what are you doing? You're trying to like and subscribe to Survivor now on YouTube and Spotify? <laughs> oh my goodness. Well, yeah, be like Pepito. Follow us on, on social media at Survivor Socialites on Instagram, Survivor Now Podcast. And if you want to send us one of your own questions, we would love to hear and answer them here on the podcast. So send that to us at Survivor Social. So Survivor Socialites Pod, Survivor Social Pod. I don't know what I'm saying anymore. It's going to be in the description of this video. So if if if, if my inability to speak is getting in the way, just look at it. It'll be there. I promise. But thank you all so much for joining us, and we'll catch you next week. Bye. Bye.